I want to welcome everybody here to True Life this morning. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor here, I'm Pastor Perry, one of the ministers on staff. Pastors Michael and Amanda are actually wrapping their vacation up. They'll be back with us really, really soon. Matter of fact, you know, we're going to, you know, if you don't like this week, come next week. We're going to have some really good preaching. Um, I won't tell you who, but it won't be me. Uh, but <laughs> we're, we're glad you're here. Those watching online, we're so glad that you tuned in today. We're in those dog days of summer, as they call it. But you're here in the air conditioning and enjoying yourself. If you're, you know, afterwards, if you're like, get too warm, there's a couple spots in the lobby. If you stand there, I guarantee you'll cool down. It's like this tidal wave of, of coolness. But uh, again, I'm glad you're here. Just a couple announcements. Tonight is team night for all of our dream teamers, all of our workers here at the church. Just a night to celebrate you. That's at 4.30 here at the church. We have some refreshments and just some encouragement and other things and just some plain old fun. Uh, so that's the night for all of our workers here. Just a night for you as well. Uh, also remember uh, this week we have some people traveling. We have some people going to the Grow Conference in Alabama. And then our teenagers, they are heading to Motion this week where they will join, you know, a few thousand kids worshiping the Lord and blowing the lid off the place. And uh, we pray for their sake. We got some great teenagers here at this church, awesome youth here. And we just want to pray for them to have safe trips. Um, there was something else Whitney told me to tell you guys, and I just failed. Uh, <laughs> I, I will think about it after I get done preaching, and she'll scold me. But I'm glad that you're here today, and, and 21 days of prayer. Thank you. That's not Whitney, but uh, thank you, Chad. 21 days of prayer will start next week, next Monday, where we just do a concerted effort. We'll have services on Wednesday night, prayer services at 7 o'clock. It just lasts for an hour, and at 9 o'clock... On Saturday mornings, again, we structure it. We start at 9, we finish at 10. And it's a time where we get together and we pray for, for each other. We pray for our church. We pray for our community. We pray for our nation. I mean, you know, we need to pray for those things. And we pray for the world. And uh, so join for those things. Oh, all my stuff is out here. Yippee. All right. Great. Praise God. And uh, so I want to jump into our message this morning because the clock is already running. And uh, we're, we're doing our summer road trip. Summer road trip basically means we get to preach whatever we want to preach. Uh, no particular topic. Uh, and, and I was all set today to go and teach about prayer because that's coming up. I had my message already. And the Lord basically said, you didn't listen good enough, did you? I got something else for you to preach. So... I am going to talk today a little bit about freedom. And some of you would say, Pastor Perry, you and, and Penny teach the freedom class along with Chris Yandel, uh, teach a freedom class, and, and many of you have gone through freedom. If you haven't gone through it, when we do our fall semester, I would suggest you do it. We have a Sunday night option and a Friday night option, and I would just, I would just implore you sign up for freedom. But that's not what I'm talking about today. This doesn't come from the freedom book. Matter of fact, I've never preached. I don't know that I've preached this whole chapter before. We're going to talk about the 23rd Psalm today and that it is a Psalm of freedom. And we're going to go from that area with this because we need to walk in freedom. 
The enemy has so many of us in bondage these days. And we get in bondage from our own fault, but also from the attacks of the enemy. And so today we are going to jump into this about freedom. But before we do that, I kind of wanted to do, uh, to, to say this. Freedom is not a document, it's a declaration. And here is a declaration that was made in our country uh, over 200 years ago. Part of it is this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And again, this is from the Declaration of Independence. I read that in first service and I got amens on it, but that's okay. Uh, more patriotic, I don't know. But uh, uh, when I read this here, understand this, that when the, the people from the 13 colonies signed the Declaration of Independence, that did not start the war, the Revolutionary War. It was already engaged in that. And when, once they signed it, you know, the British didn't pull out and say, well, they made a declaration, we might as well go home now. The war continued on for a while. But what that declaration did for the 13 colonies at that time was it gave them a new identity. They were no longer in their own minds and by their own words, they were no longer the British colonies. They were the United States of America. They changed their identity. And when they changed their identity, they fought differently from that point forward. They started winning the war that they were engaged in. They lived for the first time. They lived and they fought as free men. Salvation, likewise, is our declaration of independence. When we come to Christ, we are no longer under the bondage of the enemy. We are not Satan's colonies anymore. No, I didn't just call the British Satan, okay? Uh, what I'm saying is when we become born again, we are declaring our independence from that bondage of sin. And it is a declaration. It is not a document. A document. We are saying it. We are declaring it. Salvation is that moment in time when we recognize that what we are living for is not producing what we long for. Let me say that again. Salvation is that moment in time when we recognize that what we are living for is not producing what we long for. There has to be more to this life than what's going on. There has to be more than just me uh, going through life, making money or not making money or whatever. When we get to the, that, that point where our life it's just not producing what we want. We're not happy. We're not joyful. We're not, we're not content. All of those things come. When we get to that point, we have a choice to make. Many times, people make the wrong choice. By the wrong choice, they think because their life isn't content, then I need to change jobs. I need to change cars. I need to change house. I need to change spouse. I need to change something. Instead of changing their nationality. You see, when we're born again, we're no longer citizens of this world, but we're citizens of heaven. 
That is our nationality. We're born again. We're part of the family of God. The Bible says we're sojourners or pilgrims in this land that we're in. This little short period of time that we're on this earth is, this is not our home. There used to be a song we would sing, this world is not my home, I'm only passing through. If heaven were not my home, then Lord, what would I do? The angels beckoned me from heaven's golden shores and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We trade bondage for freedom when we change our nationality. I'm a citizen of heaven. Matter of fact, in Galatians, it says it this way, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. When you've been a prisoner for most of your life and you become free, sometimes it's difficult to walk in that because you first have to unlearn things. In any point in history, whether it's the United States or somewhere else, whenever there has been slavery and then freedom for those slaves, those slaves, former slaves, have to unlearn a lot of things that they had lived their whole life in. When I became a Christian, I had to unlearn a lot of things that ruled my life because I am no longer a slave to sin. I am preaching better than y'all are responding this morning. I'm telling you. Uh, and I said we're going to get into the 23rd Psalm. Usually the 23rd Psalm is just a psalm of comfort. I have read it beside the bedside of many people over my years in ministry uh, in their last moments. And I've said it, you know, the King James Version by heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He, you know, leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. I can, I can say all of that. But it's more than just a comfort. The 23rd Psalm is a very powerful psalm if we'll get into it. It is actually a declaration of freedom. The 23rd Psalm is a dec declaration of freedom from anxiousness or anxiety, from fear, and from uncertainty. And in all my years dealing with people, those three things seem to top the list. Anxiousness or anxiety, fear, and uncertainty. Those are some of the top things that people deal with. And as Christians, our lives are not characterized by living a life of ease. If you thought becoming a Christian makes life so easy, you probably got really disappointed. But our life as a Christian is not characterized by ease, but by overcoming difficulties. It's not characterized by brokenness, but by restoration. It's not broken, it's not characterized by perfection, at least not in me, but by redemption. So the overarching theme in this 23rd Psalm is that freedom comes from becoming dependent. Not dependent on the government, not dependent on my job, not dependent on society, not even dependent on myself. But the freedom comes from God when there is a God dependence. When I'm dependent on him for everything. So let's jump into some things here today. When the Lord is your shepherd, there is freedom from anxiety and anxiousness because my shepherd is personal. My shepherd is personal. Yes, he's the creator of the universe. 
but he's my savior. Me, Perry Gerald, yes, my middle name is Gerald, Perry Gerald Mears I. He is my personal savior. Not just of the whole world, but of me. And he's your personal savior. So how do you, how do you see this? Well, here, I like this about the psalmist. I'm going to see if you do better than the first group here. When, when we get to the yellow word, I want you to, to war cry it. I want you to shout it out. The Lord is... Oh, you were good. Shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes... Lie down in green pastures. Don't get weak now. He leads... Beside the quiet waters. He refreshes... Soul. He guides... Along the right paths... For his namesake. <laughs> I'm from Sussex County and I didn't say water. Okay. All right. Mm. Those watching from Sussex County, mom, I'm sorry if you're watching. Go get yourself some water and calm down. All right. The Lord is my, I like it here. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down. He leads me. He refreshes me. He guides me for his namesake. Me, my, me. He is mine. The Lord, the word Lord there is Yahweh. Yahweh just means I am, I was, and I always will be. The Lord who is, who was, and always will be is mine. Amen. There's comfort in that. There is comfort in that. I mean, and, and, and Jehovah, uh, Yahweh, uh, Jehovah, there, there's several names that he takes on. And the names really apply to what he does for us. I'm just going to grab a handful of them here. Jehovah Jireh, he's Jehovah Jireh, which means the God that provides. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He is Jehovah Nisi, God is my banner or my deliverer. He is Jehovah Shalom, God is my peace. He is Jehovah Ra, God is my shepherd. The name is, in, is revealed in context to what we need him to be in relation to in relation to what we need. Let me say that again. The name is revealed in context of what we need him to be in relation to what we need. In other words, um, if my cupboards are full, my bank account is full, and there is so much I don't know what to do with it, if anybody wants to get me there, I will accept it. Uh, but, you know, if, every, if I got everything going, I, 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 at this moment, I don't need him to be Jehovah Jireh. But if I'm sick, I need Jehovah Rapha. When I'm well, I don't need Jehovah Rapha. I mean, I need God, but I don't need him to be Jehovah Rapha. Maybe, maybe I'm under attack, and I need him to be Jehovah Nisi. I need him my, to be my banner, my deliverer. Or, or maybe, you know, I, I'm, I'm dealing with this anxiety. I'm, deal, I'm troubled. I'm really burdened down. I need Jehovah Shalom. I need Jehovah Shalom. And other times, you know, I need Jehovah Ra to be my shepherd, to guide me, and to help me through this life. So that name is revealed in, 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 in things. And God, when we got all these different names and all these things about God, there's a little bit of a paradox with God. I mean, what do you mean by that? I mean, God makes himself known to us. When I say making himself known to us, before I became a Christian, I kind of knew there was a God. I mean, this world is too orderly for there not to be some, some being that created all of this. I mean, there's too many different things for it to all be an accident, you know? 
And so I kind of like, there, there must be something out there, you know, but I, I didn't know God. But when I, when I, when I became a Christian, when I became that, that, that Christian, I had that aha moment. Like I was sitting in church. I didn't go to church regularly, but this time my friend drugged me to church and I go to church with him and I hear this person describe the love of God, the love of God, he, that, that, the love that he had for me. And I had that aha moment. Like, wait a minute, the creator of this whole universe loved, loves me. Oh, and at that moment when I gave my heart to him, I got to know God. So we can know God, but we can always know more about God. But we'll never know everything about God. That's why we're on this journey to learn more and more and more. I've been on this journey for almost 50 years now. And I know a lot more about God than I did 50 years ago. When I got saved, I didn't know the difference between Old and New Testament. I knew that Jesus died, but I didn't realize that he rose from the dead. There's a lot of things I didn't. I know that now, okay? I know more. I know a little bit more than that. But I know about God, but I'm never going to know everything about God. But I do know this. As long as I seek him and I go after him, what we know about God in this moment is enough for God to move in our life in this moment. Amen? I love it when a, when a child comes to the Lord. I mean, their little knowledge of God, they act on it. One time when, when, when uh, Joel, my second son, was, I don't know, little teeny fella. I mean, he, he couldn't have been more than four years old. I had pneumonia. And we were pastoring a church, and I didn't have any health insurance. And so when the doctor wanted me to put me in the hospital, I begged with her. I said, no, please, it, it'll, we don't have any money. We don't have insurance. Can you treat me? And I'll, she said, if you stay in bed. And she would literally call the house to make sure I was in bed. And I had pneumonia in one lung and part of another. I was, in, I was sick. I couldn't get out of bed. And my little boy walks in there, Daddy, what's wrong? I said, Daddy's sick. And he put his hand on me. And he said, Lord Jesus, heal my daddy. Amen. And then he looked at me. <laughs> I said, what? He said, get up. <laughs> you see, God will use whatever you have, your knowledge of him at that moment. What'd you do? I didn't have the same faith he had. Uh, you know, but listen, God wants to be, you know, he wants to be our shepherd. He wants to be personal with this. Okay? Freedom... <laughs> Freedom is more than just coming to church. Freedom is knowing God as your personal Savior. The second thing is, my shepherd provides. Thank God my shepherd provides. The word says this, I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet or the still waters. We define lack a lot of times by what we want okay, by what we want. We don't have what the Joneses have, the neighbor down the road has. We don't have what your brother or your sister has. We feel like we're in lack because we define lack by what we want. If that's the case, then, you know, I can give you a long list of my lack because there's a lot of things I want, especially where hunting season starts in just a little over a month I've got a long list. If anybody wants it, I will give it to you. 
No, not too many amens there. Some of you don't like me now. <laughs> I can give you that list. Listen, we're sheep. Sheep are dumb. We need to depend upon the shepherd. I'm a sheep, okay? I didn't call you dumb without calling me. I depend upon the shepherd. The sheep don't know where that grassy meadow is at that they need their nourishment from. They just follow the shepherd. He knows that around the next hill there, there's, there's grass to eat. When I'm thirsty, when the sheep is thirsty, they don't know that a mile down the road there's a stream that runs through there. But the shepherd's been through there many times. He knows that it's there. You know, so many times we get ahead of where the shepherd wants to take us. The shepherd wants to feed us and the shepherd wants to give us nourishment. He wants to give us refreshment. He wants to do all of those things. The sheep don't know where the resources are, but the shepherd does. Whatever it is you're facing today, maybe it's a financial strain. Maybe it's a really difficult time. Let me tell you this. The shepherd, the shepherd knows where the resources are for you. Constantly, I told the first group this. Some of you, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me told this story, tell this story, but I'm, I'm going to share it again. Why? As one of my kids said one time, Dad, you repeat that story. I said, well, I either repeat stories or I just make some up, one or the other. But one of the, one of the early times I saw God's provision in, in my life, Penny and I had not been married that long. Uh, I was working as a janitor on campus. We were both full-time students in Tennessee. Uh, at Lee University, and, and we're there, and we, we, we worked at a local church while we were in college, and we get up one day, and there's literally no food in the house. There's a pack of crackers and the condiments, you know, butter, mustard, mayonnaise, uh, ketchup, whatever, and, and a pack of crackers. We were out of food. That was it. And being the man of God that I am, <laughs> I declared some things. I said, you know, Lord, we are, giving, we are giving every month when we get our monthly paycheck, we are giving our tithes. We're not only giving our tithes, we're giving offerings. We're doing everything we're supposed to do. And basically, I was saying, you're not coming through. So I don't know what it is, Lord, but this day, I declare a fast. Now, that's easy to do when there's no food. No money and no food. And I told Penny, you can go ahead and eat the crackers. I'm going on a fast. And I am not going to eat another thing until God provides. In other words, you know, if somebody gave me a half a sandwich at work, I wasn't going to eat it because that wasn't provision to me because my wife wouldn't get the half a sandwich. And so I declared a fast. With all of my heart, I just said it. I don't care how long it takes. I go to work that day. And this guy named Chuck that I worked with just came back from vacation. He had visited his mom and dad. And he said, hey, Perry, can you come to my house for lunch today? Nope. Why not? I'm on a fast. That's why. Okay. Well, can you still come to my house? I've got something for you. And I said, what? He said, well, my dad up in Ohio raises cattle. And my mom works at a factory that makes canned goods and boxed goods, you know, vegetables and desserts and everything else. And she gets all of these like mislabeled boxes and mislabeled cans of green beans and peas and, you know, boxes of mashed potatoes and all that stuff. And I live in an apartment with a little teeny freezer 
and I've got all of this beef, coolers of beef, and I just want to give it to you. Whoa! <laughs> War cry, you know? And so at lunchtime, I went to his house, told the boss I'd be a little late getting back. I loaded my little Ford Fiesta up. I took it. We stuffed meat into that freezer every way possible. We went from eating crackers to eating steak that night. I declared that the fast was over, the shortest fast in the history of mankind. Now, let me tell you, every time you do something like that doesn't mean that God's going to fill your refrigerator with, with, with steak and with roast and everything else. Sometimes it might be bologna sandwiches and peanut butter and jelly and other things, okay? But that's not my, it, it, God deals with, he said, you'll not lack. There may be a momentary time, but God knows the resources are right around the corner, okay? There is freedom when we depend on the shepherd for our provision. I shall not want is a declaration, and it is a decision. So when you are in lack, you need to start declaring, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Shepherd, it's in your hands. It's in your hands, shepherd. I can't do anything about it. I'm doing everything I could. Now, that doesn't mean you quit your job and sit on your backside and say, the Lord is my shepherd. No. The sheep have to go from one place to another. It takes work. So, uh, I decide to not desire more than what the Lord gives me, the shepherd. That's part of provision. You know what? There's sometimes I've asked God for things and he said no. And when I look in the long run, I'm going, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't get that. I've heard people, I need this kind of car. Can you afford the insurance payments? Can you afford the, afford the gas, the insurance over it? Sometimes God says no because it's better for you. And he's got something better for you. Let's move on here. My shepherd restores. I love this. My God, he restores. The word says this. My God, he guides me. I went too far. <laughs> I apologize. Sometimes technology goes against me. When, they, when, we're, when there is freedom from anxiety and dependence on God, my God restores. He refreshes my soul. Now, I like this. The word refresh there or restore. It means that he is going after us to turn us around. The Hebrew word means he repairs me. I like that. The Lord is my shepherd. He refreshes my soul or he, he goes after me to turn me around so he can fix me. That's what repentance is. If you've ever sinned or you've fallen short, you've messed up, and if you've been serving God for a while, I guarantee you, you have, either in action or in attitude. And it says that God refreshes my soul. He goes after me so that he can fix the broken things in my life and get me back on the right path. When I'm in sin, I'm usually running away from the very source that I need to fix me. When I repent, I can't even take credit for that because the word says he goes after me to fix me. So when I repent, it's because the Holy Spirit has spoken to my heart or he's put somebody in my path. I'm just a dumb sheep. 
That's how I got in trouble in the first place. Listen, when that happens, God makes a way to get us back right. Always. Always. That's why it's important. Some of you are praying for people. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend who isn't walking with the Lord like they should. And you're just thinking, I don't know if they'll ever straighten their life out. Pray. I pray this constantly over my children, over my friends, over family members, or whoever it may be. Lord, put people in their path. And time after time, when God has answered a prayer, sometimes I think, Lord, are you going to use me to help them? And, and, and their problems will be solved. And I'll say, wow, how did that happen? You know, I ran into this guy at the grocery store. And he just started talking about the love of God and I realized I needed to change some things. Or somebody stopped by my house. I've, I've told you the story that my father, when he was really sick in the last stages of his life, I had talked to him about the Lord and talked to him about the Lord and talked to him about the Lord and I was trusting God to do something. And one day I'm sitting there at his house and an old friend that he used to work with, he hadn't seen in 20 some years, comes by the house and visits him and I'm sitting in the corner of the room. They're having their conversation. And the, 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 after a while, my dad looks at this guy. And they're talking old times, you know, how they used to hang out and stuff. And my dad looks at him. He says, something's different about you. What is it? And the guy said, oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> a few years ago, my life was going sour. It was going bad. And someone told me about Jesus and I received Jesus as my personal savior and he changed my life. And dad said, huh, how about that? And I'm going, dude, I've been telling you that for years, dad. And then he looked at my dad and said, would you like the same thing? Dad said, matter of fact, I would. I almost got mad. And my dad received Jesus Christ as his Savior. I didn't even pray. I just sat over there looking in amazement. But then the Lord just kind of speaking to me. No, I wasn't mad. But the Lord just kind of spoke to me. You've been praying for years to God put, for God to put somebody in his path. And I did it right in front of you so you could see I honor what you pray. Think about that. Freedom, freedom, freedom. He restores my soul. He comes after me. The next thing, i got to move along here. My shepherd guides. There is freedom from anxiety uh, when I am God-dependent because my shepherd guides. The word says it this way. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Do you ever feel like you're going in the wrong direction? Have you ever felt like, man, I am so lost in this. I don't know which way to go. Some of the most anxious times that we face are when we wonder if we're making the right choice. I grew up in the area when, in the time when you traveled across country, we had an atlas with us. Because one map, we drove one time to Oklahoma. Matter of fact, I left Delaware and drove to Springfield, Missouri straight. And then the next day, it trickled into Oklahoma. We drove to Texas and to Kansas, uh, where my wife was born. And, and we, we've taken those long, and, and one map isn't enough. We had the atlas, you know. And my oldest son would read the map because my wife is, and she's sitting in here, and I'll pay for this. My wife would be like, 
okay, I follow the map. Let me know when you need to turn. She would say, right there. <laughs> We're going 70 miles an hour. It's legal out there. We're going 70 miles an hour, and you said right there. That's okay. There's an exit 14 miles up the road. We can turn around. Before GPS, and that woman would say, recalculating, you know. <laughs> Anxiety, especially when you got in the city. In life, we get that anxiety when we don't know which way to go and we're forced to make a choice. I remember a, a, a time where I had to make a decision at church. Our church was growing and, and there was another portion, a, a, a larger place available to us. But I had to make the decision that day because someone else was going to snatch it up if we didn't do it that day. And I called somebody and I said, I don't know what to do. Uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of finances. I, we can do it, but it's not going to give us a lot of margin. But if we don't get a bigger building, we're not going to be able to grow. And whatever he said, he said, I'm just afraid. I said, I'm afraid I'm going to fall down on this one. And he looked at me and he said, if you're going to fall, always fall forward. God will help you. You got to make a decision and you get all anxious about things. Some of you get anxious when you go out to dinner, what you're going to order. You shouldn't do that. So listen, when you got to make decisions, I'm going to give you two things here. Two, I call them, I hate to break it to you. I hate to break it to you. Number one is this, as smart as you are, you will rarely have all the information you need at that moment to make your decision. As smart as you are, rarely will you know all the facts about everything. I told the story in the first session, I'll tell it again. When one of my sons was getting married, uh, married just a beautiful girl. I got two beautiful daughter-in-laws, beautiful in spirit and, and in, in looks, which that was my requirement. Two requirements I told my sons. Some of you know this. You got to marry a pretty girl and they have to be a Christian. That's awful. Pretty, Why? I don't want ugly grandkids. So far, so good. Uh, some of you don't like me now. <laughs> but I got good looking grandkids. <laughs> but one of my sons, he's getting married and he's nervous. All the guys from his wedding are over to the house and uh, they're there and they're talking about this and they're like, man, are you getting nervous? I'm really nervous. Am I making the right decision? Am I doing the right thing? I love this girl. I really do. I can't imagine my life without her. I just don't want to screw this up. I don't want to mess up. Am I doing it? And he's, he's, he's like spastic. I mean, just like, really? I wanted to slap him and I'm laughing. And he's, he finally says, I know, I know, I cannot do better than this and his best man and I won't mention Alice group by name <laughs> his best man without a beat when my son said I know I can't do any better than this he said and she can And they are happily married and everything went well. It's a nervous wreck when you're making a big decision. But you'll never have all the information. You just take what you did, depend on the Lord. I hate to break it to you, number two. The masses and the mobs rarely go in the right direction. 
Sometimes you have to make the decision that bucks the tide and goes the other direction. If you follow the masses, a lot of times you'll run into trouble. Understand this. If God tells you to do something, do it. He guides you. Sometimes he guides you into things that almost look ridiculous, but if he's guiding you, trust him. It is better to ask God to direct your steps than it is to clean up your mess. Let me say that again. It is better to ask God to direct your steps than it is to ask him to clean up your mistakes. There is freedom from anxiousness when you're dependent on the shepherd who is personal, who provides, who restores, and guides. The second part of this is this. There is freedom from fear when you're God-dependent because my shepherd, he guards. My shepherd guards. What do you mean by that? Well, Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David changes his perspective here. In the beginning, he is talking about God. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm doing King James, I know. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, 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 the Lord, the Lord. Here he says, when I walk through that darkest valley, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. He went from talking about God to talking to God. That's kind of the way we go to him in prayer. We start out with praise and talk about his wonderful works, and then we get down to business with God and we start talking to him. And that's what's happening with David here. He changes his perspective. Listen, when we walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. Why? The valley's dark. Fear is a, a natural thing. Well, listen, there's good fear and there's bad fear. You know, good fear is don't put your hand in that fire. Don't walk out into traffic. Don't mess with snakes. <laughs> I like snakes. You're wrong. Okay. Listen, when you walk through the darkest valley, I won't fear no evil because you're with me. With me, there in the Hebrew, it means to be present, to be with me, to be upon me, to be by me, to be before me, to be after me. That's what it means, to be with me. It's similar when you say, you are with me, is like it's similar to a connotation to a man and a woman getting married. I take you to be with me. Well, I take you to be with me. We're going to be one. And listen, when we're born again and we have Jesus Christ living within us, we are one with God in the sense of he is with us. He is in front of me. He's behind me. He's beside me. He's above me. He's below me. It's all about God. He is my guard. And it says, when I'm in the darkest of valleys, that word darkest means deep shadows, deep darkness, distress, danger, kind of the definition for depression. He says, even in your depression, I'm with you. Even when you're at your lowest. And some of you are going through some difficult times. And it feels like you're alone. And that's because you're in the shadows. When you're in the shadows, you can't always see what's around you. That's why darkness is afraid. It, it will make you afraid sometimes because you don't know what's around you. I got to hurry here, but, but uh, you know, I, I've told this story. When I was a little boy, we used to play at my grandparents' house and they owned a big chicken farm and it was in the woods. 
And there was this one chicken house that was away from all the others. And in the daytime, as a boy, I played out there all day long. But at night, I would go with my grandfather to walk through the chicken houses and check everything. And we would leave this one chicken house and walk through the woods to the next chicken house. And in the daytime, nothing scary. At night, nothing was scary as long as I was holding Pop-Pop's hand. But I remember one night we got into the woods and I was just a little fella and we get just about there and my pop-up said, I don't know if I latched that door. Stay right here, I'll be back. And when he walked away with that flashlight, I don't know if you know it, but it, down in Millsboro, Delaware, there are lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. And it wasn't until that flashlight started coming back that I realized there was nothing to fear. In the shadows, a lot of times we don't feel like God is there, but he is right there. And he said, not fear. Listen, if you get nothing else out of this. He said, do not fear. That word fear there means do not fear. It means don't give it reverence. Don't stand in awe of it. And don't give it honor. That when I walk in fear and I allow fear to dominate my life, I am actually giving reverence that belongs to God. I am giving reverence to the fear. I am standing in awe of fear. Like, oh, it is so powerful. I am actually honoring fear when I walk in fear. When I read that in Hebrew, I was like, wow. I don't want to honor fear. I don't want to do that. Listen, good fear and bad fear. You know, again, good fear, stay away from snakes. Bad fear is don't trust God in the middle of your dark times. It's a demotivating fear, a paralysis that comes on. He said, why am I not going to be afraid? He said, your rod and your staff comfort me. The rod in the Hebrew is a club that they would wear on their belt that when, when, when a, a varmint would come along and try to attack the sheep, just club them away. The staff, it was for the sheep to prod them along or to bring them back in when they got out of line. So I'm not going to worry about it, God. When the enemy attacks, you got a club for them. And when I get out of line, you'll pull me back in. You said you leave the 90 and 9. Then the next one here is, my shepherd is my host. My shepherd is my host. What do you mean by that? He oversees and overflows me. What a great host that he is. Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I love it when God eliminates all the problems that I'm facing. The problem is it just rarely happens that way. Wouldn't it be great if everything you were going through was just ended right now? It will someday. <laughs> and they'll put pretty flowers around you. When we have a God dependence, we can be free from fear. The fear of hardship, the fear of enemies, the fear of wounds, the fear of lack. God even scoffs at our enemy by preparing a table before us right in front of him. Can you imagine eating in front of the enemy? Like, hold, hold, hold on. Again, true story, funny story. Happened to me years ago, I worked in the paper mills. And we were working long hours. We were working 70-hour work weeks for this time period for several weeks. And people were getting on edge. And we had this one guy. This one guy who just kept getting in fights. 
He just kept getting in fights. Yes, fighting would happen. Most of the time they were very short because I think just about everybody he faced whooped him, you know. Sometimes really quick. And, and you know, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. I, I, was, I had started a church and we were growing that church. And, and I tried to be a nice guy. My nickname, everybody just called me Rev. And one day I'm sitting at the table eating my lunch and the boy comes there and he looks at me really mad. He's like trembling. He said, me and you, preacher, out in the parking lot now. I don't want to go to the parking lot. And he said, me and you are going to fight. And I said, I'm eating my pudding. And everybody's watching. And he slams the table and he starts yelling again. I, I, I'm eating my pudding. I get finished with my pudding and he looks at me. Are you going to the parking lot? I said, well, let me, let me show you something. I said, number one, if we go out in the parking lot and you whoop me, which I doubt, but if you do, if you do, you get to brag to everybody you just beat up a preacher. Good for you. I said, but if it goes the way I think it will go and I kick your backside, you're going to have to face the fact that this preacher beat you up. I'm going to eat another pudding. And he got mad and stormed off. Why? Because I didn't let him see fear. I didn't want to fight him. I really didn't. Because he might have won. You know? But the thing is, God says, in the middle of what you're going through, I'm going to give you nourishment. I'm going to give you nourishment. I'm going to feed you, even when you're up against it. I can't tell you how many times... In the middle of the worst time, either God sends somebody to me or I read something or I hear something or I hear a song or something, it comes in and it gives me strength. That's God feeding me in the front of my enemies. And then he says, you put oil on, my, on, on, on our heads. You, you anoint with oil. You, you pour that out. What would happen with sheep is, sheep, again, they're dumb. They run into briars, into thorns, into brick, into uh, rocks. They hurt themselves. They injure themselves. And they would get a cut. And when they would get a cut, the flies would go in there and it would become infected. But the, the shepherd would put oil over that and he would seal it over so that it couldn't become infected and it would heal up. It would do that. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is often described as the oil. So he would apply. And how does he do that? You know, sheep are fluffy. And it hides their injuries. And when their injuries, when they're hidden, they're not, they can become infected. So the shepherd has to inspect them and look for the hurt and look for the injury and then apply the oil to it. Listen, the Lord is constantly inspecting me. Not scrutinizing me, inspecting me. He's bringing healing, not condemnation. So many times when we get an injury because we've done something stupid, we want to stay away from God because we're afraid. We're afraid he's going to judge us. We're afraid that he's going to squish us like a gnat. We stay away from church. We stay away from our Christian friends. And all that God wants to do is inspect us and find where we're hurting at, find where we've messed up at, and apply some healing to it. That's for somebody here today. And then it overflows. Aren't you grateful that God is a God of overflow? 
I've been blessed because some of you have overflow. I mean, there's been times I've come into church, and I'll be honest, I didn't want to be here. I'm not talking about since I've got paid to be here. I'm talking about before that. It's like I just didn't feel like it. And I come in, you know, and somebody comes up to me. Pastor Perry, how you doing today? Isn't God wonderful? And I want to say, no, <laughs> I don't feel what you're feeling. And they just got this thing and it starts overflowing. And after a while, I'm feeling good because they're bubbling over and it affects me. The worst thing you can do is stay away from those who have overflow. The last thing, the last thing, there is freedom from future uncertainty when I'm God dependent my shepherd follows me surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever freedom is a choice we can choose the freedom that comes with dependence on Christ or we can choose anxiety fear, uncertainty that comes from self-dependence. Salvation is the first time choice of freedom. And then there are decisions we make all along the day in different situations. Psalm 23 is a declaration of freedom. Let me just review real quick here. God is your personal shepherd. He provides for you. He restores you. He guards you. He oversees and overflows you. And he pursues you with his goodness and love. It says that God, God follows me. God follows me. Some of you that are parents, do you remember when your kids were, were little? And, and they start taking their first steps. What do you do? You follow after them. You know? They get bigger you don't follow as close after them, but you're still watching them. You know, constantly checking. My wife leaves for work, and when she's getting ready to drive home, I'll say, send me a text. I just want to know you're on the road, going home. She goes down and takes care of her mother a couple of days a week downstate, and I'll tell her, when you get there, text me. She doesn't always listen, but text me. I want to know that you're there safe. Why? She's a good driver. I know that. But I love her. And I want to follow after her. I want to make sure she's okay. God is that way constantly in our life. Following after us with goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy following me. All the days of my life. I am never alone. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I want to speak to you today as we get ready to pray. Maybe you don't have that shepherd. Maybe you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a document. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. A lot of people think, well, if I become a Christian, I got all these rules I've got to follow. You know what? Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Yeah, there's things we should do and there's things we shouldn't do. Let God, let God speak to you through his word. I'm not going to tell you. You know, let God speak to you. 
What I want you to know is He is always there rooting you on and making a way for you to succeed. It's not as tough as you think. It really isn't. So if you don't have that shepherd and you want to, I'm going to give you the opportunity. If you would, everybody, just bow your heads for a second. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your shepherd and you want to make that decision to follow him today, just real quickly, I'm not going to call you up front or anything. Just lift your hand real quick. Anybody at all? Anybody? If you're here this morning and you say, hey, you know what? I've not been a good sheep. (laughs) I'm a sheep, but I got those scars you talk about. And I get ahead of the shepherd. I try to find my own grassy meadow. I try to find my own stream. And I keep messing up. I need to listen to the shepherd a little better. If that's you this morning, just lift your hand real quick. I want to pray for you. Amen. 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 My hand goes up on that a lot of times. I just want to pray over you. And in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer blessing over everybody. Lord Jesus, I pray. Your word says we're all like sheep that have gone astray. But you're the shepherd. You're my shepherd. You're our shepherd. And you care for your sheep. I pray, Father, we would walk in the way you would have us to walk. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you made a decision for Christ today, in your seat back right in front of you there, there's a connection card. Please fill that out. Let us know that you made that decision. We just want to be able to walk alongside you. We're not going to, you know, rush your house or, you know, do anything like that. We just, we just want to be able to get you information. If you have a prayer request, put it on there. We'll pray over those uh, this week. Uh, I know this week some of you had some very serious prayer requests and uh, reached out to a couple of you because uh, they, they were very serious. But whatever it is, we want to pray for you. Fill those out. Remember team night tonight. Be there for that. We're going to worship one more time. I'm going to pray a prayer blessing over all of you. We went over a few minutes. I do apologize. No, I don't. God wanted me to say what I said this morning. So, yeah, um, I'm not going to apologize for the word this morning. But I'm going to ask the prayer team as I pray to make the way to the front. If you have a need, if you have a need, your shepherd wants to meet that need. If you take it back out with you, then it's yours. But if you have a need and you want prayer, the prayer team is going to gather here and they'll lay hands on you and pray for you in obedience to the word. I'd ask, if you would, everybody please stand. The worship team is also going to lead us one more time. If you need to go, go ahead and go. Uh, But you can stay and worship just a little bit longer if you want to. Totally up to you. But I want to pray over you. Father God, I thank you and praise you for each and every person that's gathered here today. Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would meet every need. Give us a good week this week, Lord. Let us find ways, God, that we can reach out to you, that we can be obedient to you, God. Lord, I thank you, I praise you, and I believe you for great things because you are a great God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, amen. Let's worship one more time.